0: How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast. How are you going, Jake? Episode 2014. I'm going pretty well. Did you say episode 2014? No, I said 14. With 24? You said 14. Wait. It's episode 24. Did I not say 24? No, you just said 14. Oh. Oh. I mean, I got to the point where I feel like we should stop acknowledging the episode because we have just been going for so long. (laughs) Well, this is the six-month anniversary when you think about it. Six times four?
1: That's six months. Oh my god, I think... Yeah, well, we're what, 1st of July? 1st of
0: July, so we're in the second half of the wow. year. Wow, yeah. No. pretty crazy when you think about it that that's way. That's
1: pretty nuts. Yeah, so how's it going, man? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't seen you all week. I think I haven't seen you since the last podcast. Oh, well, that's that's not good. It's but that means we have a lot to talk about on the podcast. That's true, that is a good point. Uh, no Jack today. Unfortunately, Jack didn't make it. He's actually watching uh, Film of the week, Spider-Man Far From Home right now as we speak yes so uh hopefully it's all right. i mean everyone was getting a bit tired of jack let's be <laughs> just... um
0: <laughs> hey, we didn't want the free in a row we didn't want to strike in our bowling game you know yeah no, no i'm sure jack will be back in a future week i'm sure he'll be back on the podcast there probably a plenty to
1: talk about in spider-man absolutely um, but until then mm. jake have you catch any other movies this week um a little bit yeah. Actually, I've been a bit more in the local scene lately. So, I watched... Um, well, actually, before I get into that, I'm going to talk about... Uh, I almost called it Chucky. Child's Play. So, okay. we mentioned it a bit last week, but I've I've gone out and seen it now. Saw the new Child's Play 2019 with yep. Mark Hamill as Chucky. Um, this was an interesting one because mm-hmm. it's it's not a very good film. It's very average. Okay. I wouldn't call it painfully average. It's just very average. And mm-hmm. there's a few scenes in there that just... The opening, the whole... And I, I told you about it. I i I'll, I'll repeat in the podcast yep. it's been out for a little while now, but this film literally opens, and the whole premise is, and I thought this was a spoiler and I realized it's in trailers is that Chucky is not this you know murderer who's being kind of um swept into the mm-hmm. into this body of a doll or whatever um it's an evil AI essentially now which okay crafts modernized, yeah, modernized very modernized was more black mirror than you know the previous mm-hmm. Child's play I guess I think. I mean, the it, the film opens with probably the worst scene in the whole film, where the the worker is... It's literally this, like, factory line type of sweatshop sort mm-hmm. of thing, and this guy is just kind of off in his own world, and his boss starts abusing him. Oh, you, you know, get to work. How dare you? I'll throw you in the gutter where I found you sort of thing. So in because his boss yelled at him, he's like, screw this, so he... Types on the computer, makes an evil doll, and then jumps out of a window and kills himself. That's the way to show film. that boss. Yeah, screw that guy. Yeah. Um. That being said, that is the worst scene in the whole film, and it's not. It's not a bad watch. Yeah. You would enjoy it if you were drunk. If you are going by Jeremy John's standards, Oh, it's fair. Mark Hamill any good in it? Mark Hamill was pretty good in it. Um, I said this to you. I'll say it again. That I didn't even. I forgot it was him for like the first hour of the film, because he does some fun stuff that progress he, his voice gets progressively more okay there's evil mark hammer slash joker slash you know um i get i, I don't know what his trickster voice sounds like i guess it's a similar mm-hmm. type thing um no but he was he was really good in the film and like i said it was interesting the whole ai thing because what it does it actually makes the plot a little more streamlined mm-hmm. because now this kid andy who now owns the owns this chucky doll um, he actually has more of a direct impact into why Chucky turns evil, because he becomes inspired by, like, you know, they have uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre playing on the TV. Yeah. Or he says some lines that, like, the the doll is, like, doesn't compute properly, so he ends up, like, killing people because of, like, little, like, non-sequitur things that the Andy said. Um, as opposed to the previous film, where he's, like, he's evil from the get-go, so they're kind of screwed, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of like that change. Um, but it also makes him less scary, the the doll.
0: Okay. Because it
1: feels a little more like...
0: Because like the horror is almost manufactured.
1: Exactly. It's not like destined to be, which I think is a more scary
0: concept, because it's like, you're screwed either way. You've got to give them props for at least um attempting a different take yeah, absolutely, on, on yeah. that, on not just regurgitating the 85 or 86 film. Eighty, I think 88. Okay. Fun fact, directed by a dude named Tom Holland... Yeah, oh, well, that'll yeah. probably play into the second half of the show.
1: Whoa!
0: No, I mean, I, I, you got to give them—you do have to give them props for yeah. trying a different formula, trying a different concept, different spin on the same.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which
0: is pretty cool because, like, I a lot of that other films, particularly a lot of these Stephen King films, have just sort of regurgitated. Mm. Um, you know, as much as I like it, it is very much like. They've taken a lot of elements from the telly movie and just gotcha, gotcha, transformed it into a more up to date depiction of the horror, yeah, and like a more dialed up one. Same thing with like Pet Cemetery and stuff like Mm. that, where it's okay, relatively similar, but that at least they're you know, in this one, they're trying something a bit different. I think, I think the main difference between those
1: examples and um, and Child's Place, Child's Place had like. Basically, dozens of maybe not dozens of films, but it's had a lot of films. It's yes, it's called it's fell into like the Halloween trope, the Nightmare on Elm Street trope, where they make yeah. literally many like tons of these films within like a 20 year span. While, um, like those Stephen King ones, for example, it that's never, it's never really been a film in the sense of yeah, yeah, that's their first attempt at it properly. Do you
0: feel like? we're going back a fair bit now but yeah. the halloween film that came out last year we mm. went and saw we, we loved that yeah um yeah that one i felt like and admittedly haven't seen the originals mm. at all um only seen the obviously the most memorable scenes from halloween the original the john carpenter one um but when you when you look back on it it's it was still a really fun film and mm. a lot of and it it Walked that really good line. And it felt relatively original. I mean, I I can't really compare them, but I know Jack has seen both. Right. You might have seen both. Uh, well, Halloween? Yes. I've not seen the original Halloween. Um, then maybe we've got to do that. Um, uh, maybe teaser. do a comparison. But um, definitely think uh that film stood on its own. I mean, a lot of critic consensus said it did stand on its own feet pretty well and didn't feel like a regurgitation of the mm. other films. Actually, homaged them pretty well. So... Yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad even it it wasn't as uh, bad as it could have been. De-
1: I I agree. It definitely it could have been worse. It was it was fine. Like there was stuff I'm a little bit nitpicky about with like plot stuff. Um, what was really impressive, I found out this was only a ten million dollar budget.
0: Oh, I well, see. That's really good there. That was like wow. That shocked me. That's that's nice. I mean, a lot of these films are. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I can't don't confirm this, but I'm pretty sure Curse of the Weeping Woman was not very expensive either right probably not i mean i guess that's
1: the whole point of that series as well
0: is yeah. it cheap to produce make a lot of money, money. in the bank that's sort of the the, the trade off and that's why a lot of those films kind of suffer that sort of uh rushed production mm. where whereas at least you know the stephen king it film and i think even pet cemetery to extent are trying you know to put a little bit more uh uh, investment in the horror genre. Yeah. i not trying to regurgitate them essentially for plot profit. I mean, I'm really looking forward to chapter two oh, coming absolutely, out later yeah. this year. Like that trailer is really good. That first half. Yeah.
1: Did we talked about it on the show, I think
0: the we... chapter two trailer. Yeah. 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 I'm sure we would have,
1: um, the weeping woman budget was 9 million. US, there so there you go. It goes, even cheaper than child's play. Blew we... my mind a little bit. Yeah.
0: No, it's, uh, I mean, it comes back to, we, you've always got to have that formula of, uh, where does um, innovation come? It comes with lower budgets, right? Mm. So hopefully some of these start yielding some really... uh, It's been a noticeable pattern in the horror genre of the last decade. A lot of them feel very samey. They're just jump scare material. There've been occasional outliers. Like I know Annabelle Creation was one that Mm. a lot of people talked about was quite good given its low budget, probably had a very similar low budget. And I mean... This film hasn't been, Charles Play is not terrible. It probably yeah. has, has some pretty cringeworthy scenes from what you're highlighting. Absolutely. But you're right.
1: It's, it's very fine. Yeah. I didn't feel like I wasted my money going to it, you know?
0: Well, that's good.
1: But um, it, it definitely feels, it's missing that spark of the original, which I really mm-hmm. want to go back and rewatch. I wanted to do it before the show mm-hmm. and I ran out of time because I don't remember, I remember very little about that original. That's probably one I should have mentioned in my films we watched too young list. That was definitely what I probably should really? mention was Child's Play. Um, to the point where I don't remember anything about it. But I definitely remember there was there was a sense of uh, oddly enough charm to okay. the film that this one completely lacked. It feels a little less See something about a C or
0: Yeah,
1: it's it's very it's very average. If you're a fan of those kind of movies, go mm. see it. There's nothing in there from a like a horror violent point of view that I was like, oh, that's cool, you have to see that. None of the deaths were very satisfying. In fact, in fact, it very much felt like you could tell from the offset which characters were essential and literally any character that was not essential, like, yeah, they're going to die and then they die.
0: Once again, that so, comes back to I think what it does really well mm. is each of the kids does feel, bar I think one of them, feels pretty integral to the plot. Yeah. So uh, you don't. if any of them are going to die in the second movie, it, it would be pretty uncertain as to which ones, I yeah. think. It's so,
1: yeah. exciting. I still got to read the book a bit.
0: I've got it, I've got it, I just haven't read it yet. Oh, I'm not sure I could bear that. It was a tough, it was a, it was a scary watch last time, admittedly. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I did not enjoy it. Uh, I enjoyed it, but it was like, it was kind of like You fetal had your position. hands in your head sort of thing. Yeah, definitely fetal position. Yeah. Well, I've caught quite a few in my endeavour. I've, I've noticed that. Um, it, <laughs> if, you, if
1: you follow Zeke and his uh, 365 challenge on Instagram, it's bounced back a little bit in this past week, I think yeah was it was it Jack who said something last week? He yes, said like, oh, you wouldn't be able to catch up to that
0: and i've I've kind of <laughs> put my head down and I've admittedly I've watched some films that I'd already seen before. I'm not including them in my challenge. i okay. probably inhibit I hit, prohibited myself from uh in- I will talk about them because I still think they're films that I would like people to go out and watch. yeah um but yeah, no, if I'm going through off the top of my head the I don't know where we left off last week. But from what I can see I guess um, Toy Story? Toy Story? Okay, if we're going oh, we for... watched that earlier in the week, so Well, I don't know if I've even included Toy Story on my uh
1: <laughs> score. Well, yet. So you don't even um, know
0: where to begin. <laughs> but let's 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 go through what I have just I know. Just go off a... the top of your head. Okay, so big one. Um and I've got the DVD right next to me. Uh, oh, just here. Big help. Uh, so, they, they they can't see Z. I uh, so I'm showing it, it. I am showing it to you, Jake. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I
1: can see. So for the audience, audience I am holding uh,
0: the Good, the Bad, the Ugly. I did the Stranger <laughs> trilogy, uh, I think it's called. Oh. So High Plains, Fistful of Dollars, and the Good, the Bad, the Ugly. I haven't put them up yet, but I will put them up probably tonight. Enjoyed all three of them, but none of them compared to. I went on a western tear. I just yeah. started watching classic Hollywood westerns. Uh, now, a film I watched a long time ago, but f- completely forgot to put it up for the first time, I uh, watched Once Upon a Time in the West. Nice. I may have talked about it on the podcast beforehand, but if there is a film that has... You know you know how we get told that you can break down a scene and it's a short film in its own right? Yeah. The qu- quintessential final scene in Once Upon a Time in the West, it's nine minutes long, and I would encourage people, if you're not going to watch the two-and-a-half-hour runtime, watch that scene. It is the definition of a short film that ticks every box with no words bar one line. Mm. And it's brilliant. It's the the score. I mean, it's it's Sergio Leone, who's, like, a lot of people have talked about, who is the defining, um, uh, the def- definition of Spaghetti Western. Yeah. And all four of those movies, are all strong, um, but definitely that film stood out the most. Uh, out of the Stranger trilogy, um, definitely The Good, The Bad, The Ugly is the one I enjoyed the most. Yeah. Which no surprise, um, but other films I did catch, um, I went on a Richard Linklater kind of spurt. Okay. Now, for people that don't it's know who Richard an one. Uh, who Richard Linklater is, um, he's probably most known for films like uh, School of Rock.
1: Oh, um, okay, okay, I can get into this.
0: So okay, so I have worked out. Uh, where I I did actually put Toy Story Four up. Oh, but, there you go. Um, We're back on track, folks. So the pl- but I'll, I'll get to the Linklater stuff first. So I watched. It was just released on Netflix, and it's a bit of a shame because I kind of wish this is one of those films that, uh, which we'll talk about next week's when we get to it. But Ooh. this is one of those films that I really wish we had done on the podcast. It's called Everybody Wants Some. It's a film that was released in 2016, and it sort of feels like a predecessor to another film I watched for the first time, Dazed and Confused. Which are two oh, films, you mentioned that to me today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and which both of them deal with. Uh, so, Days and Confused deals with uh, the ending of the high school year, and it's the first night after uh, the hot the summer holidays begin, yeah. and it talks about like the coming of age, so like the kids leaving primary school to go to high school, or, like they're sort of freshman sophomore, mm. weird sort of categories that I still can't really work my head out. It's basically that transition <laughs> from. Uh, twenty, uh, twelve to thirteen, and the passing of the torch with the the youths going on to be adults, and and the the youth going into high school. Yeah, and it sort of talks about this weird sort of communal acceptance, and it's really like well done in Dazing and I really enjoy it, but I think everybody wants some. Takes it to that next level. They address the uh. Which maybe it hits home for us because we're going into our last semester for university, oh, no. and this deals with the first <laughs> uh, follows a freshman into his opening weekend going into college, right, so the three days that lead to uh, the start of semester, and the film ends with him falling asleep in his first class. Nice. so it's the it's the part I would love you to go home and watch it. My first tutor didn't rock up to my very first class <laughs> ever. <laughs> I, I think what it, it's a, Murdoch. <laughs> it's a, it's essentially a, a love story uh between this guy and and this girl and it sort of like interwovens the whole mm. college culture touches on some of the identity issues that we face as sort of young adults that we don't really know our place in the world we know we need to go to college but we don't really know what to do with ourselves mm. it addresses the mature age students and the and the, the real young, bright eyed students. It really touches That's on cool. pretty much everything. And I'm smiling from post to post in this film. Like I really I, I'm sitting there, I'm just like, I can't help but love this film. The the characters that Link Later does, they're very entertaining, yet there's some really cool moments where I, I find myself kinda getting emotional because it's really relatable. Like there's a mo- like there's a moment it follows this baseball team and they are top of the nation baseball team for college yeah. baseball. So they don't really have to worry about. It's not nothing to do with them winning any baseball games. It's literally just the preseason and this weekend and this freshman kind of finding his way through it.
1: Yeah, very elementary level of entering kind of the big
0: in in a, in a school perspective and a, mm-hmm. uh, a sports perspective. It sounds and like. I'd love for you to to give it a watch and maybe come back and give your opinions next yeah, week absolutely. on the show. Um, it's definitely a film that. I'm going to struggle watching new films because I really do want to go back and just rewatch this film. I really did enjoy it that much. I think I sat on, I think I gave it an 8.75, which I felt was maybe even a bit harsh. I really enjoyed this film. It made me smile so much. Could have cracked Um, a nine there, son. Probably could have, probably should have. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just funny. It has this perfect mix of humour, but like really hits home with uh, every night of partying they do. So they go Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Yeah they go to a different sort of party where they dress differently because they're just trying to pick up chicks. Yeah. But then it addresses that thing where it's like, I feel like I'm having a bit of an identity crisis because mm. I'm literally shaping myself for the betterment of someone else and I don't think this is who I am. And it's a really... like, It's sort of like the way Linklater deli- delivers these kind of meaningful lines is he sort of does it in that very realistic way of a bunch of kind of... He's this dumb sort of freshman guy He's kind of wide-eyed, but he still talks like a normal person. He's kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I like, I love having sex with girls too, but I want to be me. You know, mm. I, I keep changing myself for the sake of, and then by the end of the conversation, they're like, yeah, but it's no big deal, and he's like, yeah, I guess it's not a big deal right now. And it, 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 I, don't know, it just really worked for me this film, and it's just out on Netflix. I encourage everyone to go give that a watch. Awesome. I'm glad it's on Netflix.
1: Yes. It just makes it just makes life so simple.
0: Oh, yeah, and th- these are those things where it's like... Um, when you watch films like this on Netflix, you're just like, oh, this is why I get Netflix, because there'd be no way I would have watched this film or, like, sought out this film. Like People have been telling me for weeks to watch Dazed and Confused, mm. and I was okay with that. I watched Dazed and Confused. I watched it f- literally following this film. I was uh, twenty, So I went 25 years back in time on the Linklater machine. And... <laughs> and I enjoyed both films, but I really do think I enjoyed uh, this one more, the new version of this, because it just feels... It comes back to honing the craft. It's 20 years he he's had in the industry more, so yeah. of course the film's going to feel more refined and not lose touch and also address it differently enough. So Yeah. yeah, It feels like a different experience. Yeah. So did
1: you catch anything awesome. else? I uh, caught a couple of other things, some that I'm proud of, some that I'm not as proud of. Ooh. Uh, well, I got roped into... I'm t- I know I know a lot of people who go on the train of watching terrible movies for the sake of watching terrible movies, um, which have you know we we fall into that camp sometimes. But I I'm a little I'm on the weaker side of that. I haven't seen all the, any of the Bird Demics. I haven't seen missing bloody. Haven't
0: I've already seen, seen Birdemic Demic two. Okay. Um,
1: you missed the first one, Zeke. What about the plot?
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> admittedly, and I don't think he needs a plug, but I hate everything. Did do his search for the worst series. And Uh, I watched that series where he goes through these like terrible films. Okay. And he spends like twenty minutes talking about and walking through plot by plot why, and they're just amazingly funny videos because I've always liked his satirical, lowbrow humor. And yeah, I sat down and watched the room and Birdemic. I think the room's an exception. Yes, and I watched Birdemic two with Mister James Norton. Mister Norton. Um, Oh
1: boy, I missed
0: out on that on that room. That. Was It was a fun night. I mean, Birdemic 2 was more confusion as to... <laughs> What's going on? How does this product get made? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get the whole, like, oh, I'm I'm with you on this whole, like, I don't like rewarding pieces of shit. Right. Right? Well, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, rewarding pieces of shit. Because <laughs> this film, especially Birdemic 2, is the case of uh, the meme of the first film funding the success of the second right. film. Right. Yeah. and comes back to the Sharknado quadrility or whatever they call those things. Like I don't it's got know what it four is. or five Sharknado movies, God. and all of them have literally like it flips both sides of the coin. And it comes back to the the main dude in Sharknado, who's I think he's he's worth or he's at least made something like thirty nine million off the five <laughs> movies, and he goes, "Well, I wasn't getting jobs in Hollywood, so this has funded my life." So there is that payoff. I mean, this is the thing about that because at the uh, here we go. So I'm a
1: capitalist at heart Mm -hmm. in that sense. I don't want to kill people, but I do like doing things to get money. Yes. That's just how I am. So I can appreciate that part of bending the system. There's an audience for these films and he's making money.
0: Yeah. Good for you. Personally, that's not how I want to enter this business. So, you know. Well, it comes back to uh, you're sacrificing the artistic element of it. It's It's like if we got a toddler to paint a picture... And then we put that picture in the Louvre. that's how Sharkboy and Lava Girl got made. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's the thing. It's like if a toddler painted a picture and then an agent picked it up and put it in the Louvre. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And then that that toddler who just slapped you know her hands or his hands on, on a canvas yeah. puts it up in the Louvre and then someone buys it, buys it for like $150,000. It's like, it's a piece of shit. But just because... <laughs> Uh, there's someone out there that would be like, oh, I like that piece of shit. It's ironic. And I've got money to burn. Do you ever think about that with art? Like, I could just make really abstract art... And make a
1: billion dollars.
0: Do you ever think of, about that? Yeah, of course. I feel yeah. like everyone's thought about that at some point. <laughs> I work in an I work in an art store. It's literally <laughs> it's what I do. I sit there, I'm like, maybe I should just pick up some acrylic paints and slap them on something and be like, it's art. But do you sell anything for a million dollars at that store? No, but we do artists of the month now. And you can oh, sell okay. you can sell pieces of art for like some people sell them for like five grand. They leave it wow. in the window, which I feel like is a like a grounds for a robbery, but like, all right, because we I have mean, no alarms now. Window. Okay. Like we're not like a jewelry store that has like. like <laughs> don't, alarms. don't say where you work now. Yeah. <laughs> in hindsight, yeah, so it's probably a terrible thing to say. But oh, who cares? We don't know where it.
1: I mean, you have multiple jobs. Yeah. So you're safe. But um, I mean, you got to give me the insight on this. I want five <laughs> grand. Find my next bloody. Do movie. it. Do the next American animals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, getting back to what we were yes. talking about. Um, so, anyway, I got roped into, like, a 2am viewing with, you know, a couple of mates. And I was like, whatever. Like I said, that's that's not so my what, crowd. what was the film? So, the film's actually called Krampus. Now, apparently
0: <laughs> there's... Oh, no. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but it sounds terrible. <laughs> it's So,
1: Krampus is, from memory, this is, like, this is an actual thing. I think it's, like, the the Christmas devil or, like, the brother mm. of of Santa... Like, the devil version of... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I watched the film and I don't know. It's... It's crap. Yeah. I think what the deal is... So, it's a guy named, like, Jason Hall, um, who... You're right. It's the same thing with um, Demo, where I think he funded the second one because he made five bucks off the first one sort of thing. Yeah. And now, this is where it goes back into, to paying for shit. Mm-hmm. Or supporting shit, whatever. My friend literally spent six dollars to rent it on YouTube to watch it. There you go. apparently it was on Netflix. I don't know how in the world that happened because well, ne- literally every shot is out of
0: focus, but... <laughs> well, Netflix has a, a has a bunch of these. Okay. And there is an entire app dedicated to these piece of shit films. We've talked about it. It's called Tubi and it's oh, an app. Oh, that makes sense. And it's one of those apps that it's totally legal and legit. These films just... They've bought the right... They're, like, no-money films. They're, yeah. They're either free public domain or they're, like... Yeah, they they just paid really low rates for them. Yeah, and it's free and it runs off like ad revenue. Like like ads get pumped through the site and then it makes its money off the ad yeah. revenue. Um, and yeah, there's things like Titanic 2 on there. So it's it's an entire <laughs> um, Jesus Christ app that you can. Oh totally no, I get. do remember talking about this. You're yeah, right. we're gonna that... do like a
1: show around it. I yeah, remember at one point. But... We kill uh, ourselves, but no. Krampus is definitely in that in that league. I mean, it's it's just horrendous from start. Like I, mm-hmm. I told you, I don't know what the hell was going on. Um, you there was like the one they got the one shot where they were like, oh, we're we're at natural firing range, so you can see when they're actually shooting guns mm-hmm. at clearly nothing. And then every other shot, they've like painted in the bullets and the thing, and like they have these child actors who like they walk, they're walking on the street, and then they think they're out of frame, so they just stop walking and turn around, and they're like confused. And it's like, yep, good, we we'll leave that in the movie. It's just it's just horrible stuff. And like,
0: ah oh, man. Well it comes it comes back to uh even if even if you want to go all the way back to something like Trumbo and John Goodman's character uh, who literally just makes piece of shit films. Yeah. Um, what that's a great character. Oh see that's one of those films that I, I really wish I'd save for this challenge so I could just talk about how great yeah. Trumbo is. but we could talk about Trumbo a yeah. surely. Yeah, maybe we'll touch on it just for an episode fun or we'll something. We'll run out of films
1: we haven't seen at some point in our lives.
0: Well, speaking of films I've already watched that I want to talk about on the show, yep. just to give it a, a shout-out. First off, I'm <laughs> going to quickly out. run through the other films that I, I watched in this week. Don't really have a lot much to say about them. I enjoyed The Player. I watched it the first time I watched that. Mad Max, oh, yeah. didn't really enjoy the original one. Snowtown, another Australian film. Yeah... It was it was all right. Yeah, like had that yeah. real uncomfortableness. Uh, Mystery Road, another Australian film. I kind of went on a a tear of all three. Man, you uh, were doing a lot of triple frets this week. Yeah, I did. Mean, um, Zombie Land for the first time. Hey. Uh, in tight Enjoyed it a lot. Looking forward to the second one. Uh, big one that I want to shout out. I forgot out. they're doing
1: a second one.
0: Yeah. Uh, Boogie Nights for the first oh, time. Oh. Um, hey. Feels like a real big miss. But uh, my mate Ben Cochrane. Uh, been wanting me to watch this film. We've been pleading for it to come. Yeah. Finally got around to it, and really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. It was probably my favorite Kurt Russell performance. Nice. Uh, Foxcatcher. First time I watched that. Very nice. A real one. Is Steve Carell in that one. Yeah. Nice. Steve Carell. Well, he looks like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> just showed me
1: a photo. Um, it's like.
0: Yeah. So it was really good. Um. And yeah, that's pretty much what I've covered this week. I think you've got to clarify your Mad Max approach or okay. your stance. So um. I enjoy Fury Road, right? I really do. Uh, I'm not one of those people that really shits on Fury Road, who we can probably... <laughs> we Jake and I know who we're talking well, about. Well, my, my old media teacher in high school hated Fury well, Road. Well, our current chair at Murdoch hates Fury Road. <laughs> um, so... I really do like um, Fury Road. Why I like Fury Road is I think that is what George Miller really wanted to do with Mad Max. Okay. Um, That sort of style. Now, I haven't watched two or three yet. I will hopefully get around to them. Mm. But this film, uh, the original Mad Max, feels like what George wanted to do in Fury Road, but obviously was prohibited by a lot of financial stuff. To me, the, the crash-zoom style and that sort of, like, it's almost like the absurd adrenaline style yeah. works really good in Fury Road because everything else is stylized around it. I think I touched on this, but in Mad Max, it the original, it doesn't click for me because it, it okay. all the characters are human. They're just a little bit crazy and, like, the cops are kind of weird. and There's just a lot of things that don't make as much sense as they do mm. in and it might change in the second one it might save it but for me this i don't know it just wasn't like my favorite australian film and things like mystery road that i also watched which are like those thriller based sort of crime dramas that occur out in the middle of nowhere um real true australian ones were just more interesting to me maybe it's just the style i just was not a fan of it I don't get this whole Knight Rider sort of Mel Gibson esque sky right. and leather I was theme. gonna ask about Mel Gibson, like what's your thoughts on him in the film? Yeah, it's funny. I, I never thought I honestly thought the way people talked about him in this film, this would be the film to highlight why Mel Gibson's a good actor. But I think I've seen I think I prefer him in Braveheart, believe it or mm-hmm. not. Like things like that. Like I just enjoy him more. This movie doesn't do a lot for him. Um I is it wrong to say I preferred Tom Hardy? Like, is that wrong? I, apparently, <laughs> um, but I did. Even though he didn't say anything, it was, his presence was just enough, mate. Right. But the film I want to yeah. touch up on um, that I had already watched a long time ago. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And rewatched last night and was telling oh, you about Netflix it. on Netflix uh, is a John Carney film. Um, our boy, our boy. Our boy. Um, John Carney is loved dearly on this show. Um, I've talked about Once which is a film that he made 10 years before this or 6 or 7 years before this one and then he went on to make Sing Street after this film but out of all 3 I still come back to this film and I still think it's the strongest of the 3 I just love it so much, it's such a I said to you, it feels what's like...
1: What's the title of the film?
0: It's beginning <laughs> And it's got Mark Ruffalo and Kira Knightley as the leads with yep. Adam Levine supporting cast. He's great in it too. Um, who Carney seems to really dig because he gave uh, Levine the end song at Sing Street. Um, oh, he did too. I forgot about that. Uh, right. But I just really like the film. I think it's the quintessential like definition of indie film. I don't mm. know. It's the way it's shot. Um, it mixes the styles of Once and Sing Street in this kind of modge between the two. Um, and it's just... It's charming, beautiful, heartwarming. It uh, has moments where you're just so invested. and yeah. I, It's so tight. I talked about the perfect pacing in like Jurassic Park last week, I think it was. Mm. And this film really takes that to another level. It, it's 100 minutes long, but everything needs to be in there. It's strong. The performances are pretty much perfect, in my opinion. They're so charming and great. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of Kira Knightley, but in this film, she just kills it. Ruffalo's just Ruffalo. I mean, <laughs> Ruffalo's on.
1: Ruffalo. He's great. He's... If you've seen the Avengers re-release footage of Hulk, that's not Ruffalo. No. So I need um, to throw
0: that in there. And then I threw the movie to you <laughs> about a year. I saw it ago. at the
1: end of last year. I think it was like a November watch for me, but um, I watched that with Sing Street. And that you're right, definitely um, begin again struck with me way stronger, and yeah, and is
0: definitely the one I want to rewatch more so. And it's great; it's such a great film. And I'd like when I like sometimes when you really just want to watch a film that you know you're going to enjoy. It's like one of those sort of films you just come back to, and it has really heart hitting mm. moments. But um one of the one of the scripts I literally wrote um Home Again had parts ironically both have a gain in the title but yeah. <laughs> there were definitely parts of some of his characters I tried to draw in my nice. my script so really good film absolutely go out and watch it just That's a little awesome. recommendation there yeah from, well, your, from your boy so I'm pushing on about 140 films now
1: really yes wow I'm pushing on 90 not 90 jesus 64 or 65 now. Mm. I think today marks 65. I'm getting there. Uh,
0: Look, I mean, I'm going to try and get to 365, but it's hard. I've given up. Um, (laughs) Well, I wasn't trying this year, to be fair. But it's, it's a, it is a slog. It's, it, it's tough. To it
1: watch. sounds way easier than it is watching one movie a day. There's, you're right. There's so much that happens. You can't just do that every day. I mean,
0: if I don't get it to this year, I think next year, our pledge to our podcast should be me and you try and duke it out to see who gets to oh 365. God. We don't want to already shoot out. 2020, ourselves. <laughs> is that the year? that the challenge gets broken 20
1: for the last five years 2020 for me has been the year of chill out (laughs) once i get through this bloody course nah that's fair fair. um i do want to give a shout out last night um before we move on i did watch uh a i think it was the australian premiere of single ladies which is a very locally made web series Mm -hmm. uh eight minutes of pop six episodes um, so we watched the entire series from front to back last night. Mm-hmm. I was uh, my my friend Maggie Cope Thomas helped me score some uh, tickets to to go watch it because mm-hmm. I, I it was mostly like an, a cast and crew type thing. So it was the entire cast and crew were there in the seats. I, actually, I think a lot of them didn't make it, but the point is like they were all there. Yes. Like, oh, the per- oh, the person on that screen is right in that seat over there, sort of thing. And it was like it was reminding me of my own premiere in March because like they kind of patented out with like mm-hmm. um, they had like a stand-up comedian uh introduced to him at the start and um just that kind of thing and it was a, it was a really cool thing they did it in a loo um and it was a really nice theater big big theater nice screen so mm-hmm. wanted to give a shout out to that and um, some of my friends worked on, i think andy baldock kish moody and i think selena who shot our faces in the crowd worked on it i might be wrong on that
0: don't quote you on
1: don't quote me on it I feel like she worked. I feel like I remember hearing that somewhere. Um, but point it was. It was cool to see the product. Yeah. Something that I've heard about for a long time. And I think I think we got the email shot as well to do like production design. This was a long time ago now. Mm. This was like before second year.
0: So wow. it was a
1: while ago. It was I think before we even did faces that they were they did some call-outs at Murdoch for some production design people. And um, I didn't, I didn't shoot for it, but um, some of my mates did, and it was nice to sit there next to them watching this thing for the first so, time. So, uh, what's the Vogue? How did you feel about it? Um, uh... I really enjoyed it. It's great. So the the premise, single ladies, is it's about these um, uh, two women who run this kind of sex positive uh, radio show, and the majority of the series is them kind of fighting against cancellation. And uh, I won't go into too much. There's a lot of other spiraling stuff, but there's some really great tight plots going on there. It would have been nice to have it a little longer at times. But I can appreciate the tightness of those plots
0: with eight minutes per well, episode. I mean, it's a it's a big problem. that A lot of uh, I mean, this was made by students. This is not a student. Film, not right. a student. No. Okay, they cool. just had some students find props and stuff. A lot of, I mean, if you, but that is a that is a struggle of a lot of uh, smaller India productions. Yeah, don't keep it as tight as they probably should, and mm. then they could end up losing what they're trying to achieve quite easily. So if if it's better, I mean, it'd be not. It's great that you're getting. That you wanted to see more of it. Yeah, exactly. Probably. That's
1: what you want. Usually, we walk out being like, "God, I could have
0: cut this or this," but mm-hmm. you're right. That's
1: that's a better position to be in than the other way around.
0: Yeah, so. wanting for more leads to the potential of more coming.
1: Basically, yeah, so. absolutely. So that will be making the rounds. I think they're going to premiere the um the first episode. So just just that first eight minute chunk at a revelation to get your shorts on short uh, festival or the the screening, which will be on the eleventh. So if you want to check that out, check it out there. Um, I don't think they're going to play the whole series there, though. So I'd, I guess you have to wait till the end of July. I think they're posting. I can't remember where they're posting it, but um, it's good to promote the stuff because it was very locally shot. Like, yeah, it was, absolutely. it was like five minutes from Backlot, half the stuff. So actually, that's a good point. I might go back there now and see if I recognize the streets. Take it back. I think I do already. <laughs> No, but that was cool. I just want to give that a bit of a shout out. That was a fun night.
0: Well, fair enough, fair enough. Well, cool. I'm, that's pretty much all I covered this week, so if you want to go into cool. career paths, we can...
1: Yeah, so finish. i got a bit of career... Do you want to talk about... I mean, you got your um, arsenal kind of building up or
0: anything to report? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm in this stage where we're in, thankfully, the new financial year, which means <laughs> it's a glorious time of year called tax return. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, so for me, it's definitely the time of year where it's a lot of... This time around, I've definitely taken a more stock-centric focus, so I'd like to build up my arsenal. Yeah. Hopefully, with building up my arsenal, there'll be a lot of, uh... We're talking y-
1: about camera gear here, not, yes. not
0: guns. No, no. <laughs>
1: um, this is
0: Australia, not America. Yeah. Uh, so, definitely purchasing, like, getting myself some equipment and focusing on... Uh, really been doing a lot of investment into more cinematography the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, spending a lot of time understanding um, different aspects of equipment that I feel like I haven't or I need to consistently update myself on and remind myself how to use this stuff because I right. feel like we're, you know, in danger quite often of either not being taught enough from people or just not being able to, res- you know, um, keep all of that information we were taught in our heads because mm. it was just sort of hurled at us in <laughs> one in
1: one sitting. Um, yeah, same with how Mark's...
0: Yes, talk about that. Um, but <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to some of the things. Uh, I've got a couple of things on the side that I'm not going to talk about yet, but uh, definitely we'll probably talk to you more about mm, after the podcast. Um, it's been writing a lot in this this little break that we've had, Um, investing some time into pre-production for some hopefully upcoming projects. We'll find out if Fingers one cross. gets the green light. <laughs> um, <laughs> like... 2021. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> definitely, I've been working very closely with Jack Bet on yep. some of the elements for that Our production. Um, so we'll definitely be looking forward to hopefully bringing some positive news about that in the coming weeks. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, but on my own personal scale, definitely just uh, writing. I've definitely set a benchmark. I'd like to get two new scripts on your desk and on Jack's desk. My desk. desk? Whoa. Uh, by the end of this sort of little hiatus that we get from university. Um, and yeah, one of them I've talked to you about quite in detail. Yeah. And I'm very excited to hopefully be developing that in the latter parts of this year and the early parts of next year, probably. Mm. So That's exciting. It is exciting. What about you? Um well it sounds
1: like it sounds like you're kind of on the on the starting boot up point. Yes. Where you you're kind of kicking a lot of things in the gear. I'm kind of uh, crunching a lot of my gears at the end pace lately so um, different but, stages of the life cycle exactly yeah I think we're going to meet up soon hopefully yeah. in the middle hopefully um, I had a couple of things in the last few weeks so I, I did a I helped record a show that happened locally at Murdoch called the Late Night Bomo show which is like kind of an hour 15 kind of comedy thing and I I shot and edited and spliced up into six parts mm-hmm. so it's on their YouTube channel now so you can go check that out if you want uh, just see a little something that kind of a shot and edited myself. <laughs> nice. Um another thing as well, so we kind of we we teased it a bit today, but going into details for so the aforementioned premiere of Disconnected that I was talking about. We've been heavily putting together the DVD in the last week or well, I've been heavily putting the DVD mm-hmm. together in the last week. Um and we finally kind of come to a point where I've I've spent the last cuz it was 4 months ago today that premiere.
0: Wow! So
1: yeah, on the first so that the last four months has been me compiling all the bonus features and are now on the disc. So we have well over two hours of bonus content on the disc, and uh, hopefully it goes gold tonight. I'm gonna go home and do some final tests and check our uh, our master file is uh all accurate because mm-hmm. we've had some subtitle issues. Okay. So, yeah, the subtitles like they they get stuck. So, like, there was stick on the screen until the next line of dialogue. It was, like, a really weird How pitch. does that work? I have no clue. Anyway, I re- it turns out it's actually the player. So, I tried it in other players. and some players, it works fine. Others, it doesn't. So, no, I'm like, well, that's not my fault. About, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, But we're getting really close, and hopefully we're going to send it for classification this week. And we've announced that we're going to release the DVD for sale in August. So, uh... Check that out very soon. Uh, we put out the announcement today because today is the three-year anniversary of Clicker Productions. Woo! July 1st, uh, 2016. So Couldn't uh, tell you how old
0: ZKJ is. I'm sure there's a, a... Yeah, I'm sure there's a date when you made a logo. I think uh, I can find it for you at some point, but oh, I wouldn't be fancy. able to tell you. Uh, We've definitely
1: passed the, the two-year mark, I'm sure. I'm pretty now. sure.
0: Yeah, two years.
1: We're not as old as you. Yeah. Uh, but not that much younger either. No. <laughs> kind of like the age difference between Zendaya and uh, Tom Holland, if you yes, will. Yes, pretty close. Getting to that. Yes. We promised a little something. Well, Jack promised a little something. He did. We're going to do it in honour of Jack because he will be listening to the show. Rip. So we never, can't, never forget Jack. Never forget Jack. We can't not do it because he would just blow out in box for Ab- a long time. Absolutely. Um, We're going to do what we promised last week and rank all the previous Spider-Man films before we jump into Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, Zeke, do you have your kind of list? Do you wanna sort of... do you wanna
0: go I... last last? Like we'll just go back and forth? Yeah, we can do that. Cool. Fine. Well, I got my list very clearly, concisely. Last place and holding out strong is Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. Oh. Alright, okay. back to you, Jim. I love
1: I love how without Jack there's gonna be like we're just gonna groan at each other, and there, there's yes. no Jack to like heat up the argument. Or he just thought <laughs> you a fucking <laughs> idiot, like. But... Uh, I I like the movie rather You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely a very heated debate, though. Uh, more than the MCU one, which is really weird. Yeah, we love you, Jack. Uh my worst, and you're crazy, Zeke, for not being in this one. Is the Amazing Spider-Man number two with Andrew Garfield? It's so bad. It is so bad. It's so because in
0: second last it is for me. The oh, there you Spider-Man go. There you go. Two. Um, not a film that I thought was as bad. Um, until Jack was like, dude, just watch the first 20 minutes. It's bad. (laughs) I don't know what was going on. I watched that in the cinema. Like, i Me too. I was so excited for it. In hindsight, and looking back on this, I've watched, uh, both The Amazing Spider-Mans. Spider-Man 3 I watched in the cinema. I watched
1: Uh, all of them in the cinema.
0: All of them. I haven't watched... I didn't watch 2 and 1 in the cinema. Um. 2 was a... That was, for me, that was... And then I've watched the two Tom Holland ones, obviously. Um, so... Yeah, so uh, I just, that that movie didn't bother me as much when I watched it in the cinema. Like, the funny thing is, with Suicide Squad, I knew outright what I was watching was a piece of shit, right? Like, (laughs) I watched that on a date. Wow. So I kind of,
1: that got me through it. (laughs) Well, it's good. At least you would have had something It was the hope of something afterwards. Yeah. And I didn't get that.
0: Oh. (laughs) Well. uh, What a terrible night. And when you think about it, yeah, it was just a really... Terrible movie. It's just so bad. I don't know what happened.
1: Amazing Spider-Man 2? Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's it, No, it's it's stupid... Because they wanted to do the sinister sticks kind of follow-up sort of thing.
0: But so it's so bad. So they wedged
1: all these like unnecessary plots. They still do not answer questions about Peter's parents, whom we don't fucking care about. Yeah. You know, just stupid stuff like that. It's so dumb. So back to you, buddy. Uh, Well, my second last, or I guess fifth rank, would be Amazing Spider-Man 1. Wow. Which is not as bad, but still pretty bad if you go and rewatch that, it. It's so... It's totally such a mess. It's such a, hey, Dark Knight, we watched you. Sort of rip-off. Right. Andrew Garfield tries really hard, but he just looks way too old.
0: I'm yeah, sorry. It is a problem, especially given these Tom Holland ones, how consistently, like, he's old. He and Toby right? Yeah. Like, at least Toby looked... Mm, Toby doesn't look... Young. I can get away with Toby. I, think. I don't think I you can. I can buy that. I think either of them you can't. I think, uh... Especially looking at the whole Tom Holland. Now stuff Tom
1: Holland looks so good.
0: Yeah, and he's
1: generally like, I think he was twenty one when he sh- when
0: he shot this latest film. Yeah. So, so he
1: it looks it look he looks like a young kid. Yeah. It's good to see that.
0: I don't know how much longer he's got being the young kid, but definitely as of right now, yeah. he's doing all right. I feel like he's stuck.
1: And the fact of the matter is, they got what, including all the other, he's in like five MCU films now. So I can I'm if he starts aging now, like. Fair enough.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, like, he can. We can talk about it more in the second half of the show. Yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, he's sixteen now, so you can push him up to eighteen. Suddenly, it's. He, maybe that was yeah. the reason which we can talk about later in the show. What? Why they did what they did? Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, no. I would say following up. uh my next least favorite film would definitely be the Amazing Spider-Man number one. There you um, go. So, Paul Garfield. Tough, tough break.
1: Good actor in really crappy films.
0: Except The Social Network. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's pretty good in that. So I mean,
1: he's great in... Um, is it Hacksaw Ridge? Yes. That's him, yeah.
0: He's a great in that too. Good in that too.
1: Um, well, ironically, my rank number four is Spider-Man 3. I think, Hi, that, film, I think that film holds up better than a lot of people remember. It, it's, it's awkward and clunky and overstuffed and awkward, but... It doesn't bog down from a lot of what the other film is doing, which is actually fair in comparison to the other two. Mm -hmm. Holds up a lot of tonal stuff, just a lot of missteps. Uh,
0: Yeah, I think it it has some real bad missteps in there. Um, But there are bits in that film that are not too bad, Um, particularly some of, uh, ironically, and I don't think uh, it's weird the way Thomas Hayden Church acts, um, just ger- generally. Right. Um, I think he's got this really strange style, but it seems to work sometimes, particularly in Sideways. He's quite good in that. But uh, some of the scenes with him, like uh, off just to the top of my head, I haven't seen Spider-Man 3 in ages. Yeah. But some of those hard home-hitting scenes where he can't pick up the locket. That's a... Um, even technically, that's an amazing scene. Yeah. There's some... Him
1: crumbling down, trying to get up, like...
0: Some excellent. real like there's some really strong ones. Even, uh, sort of, the death scene of uh, Harry is pretty pretty good. Yeah, somewhat earned. The James, the James Franco stuff's pretty strong in this film. I don't think it's that bad. I think it was clear that I mean,
1: it's it's well known now that Venom was not meant to be in this film, and that he was very much pushed by Sony or what the guy's name does in yeah. Spider Man films or whatever. Um, yeah, it could have very well been a Harry Sandman film. Yes. I would have felt way tighter, way stronger, and none of the Venom crap. Which eats a lot of the film.
0: Yeah. Pun intended. It does. <laughs> it actually um, eats so much of the plot. Poor Venom. Doesn't get his doesn't get his moment yet, does yeah. he? Yeah.
1: And now um, people are mistaken into thinking he's in a good film that came out last year.
0: Oh god, I don't understand how that worked.
1: What uh, are people thinking? That Venom film is trash. Yeah,
0: film. Is that film worse than Amazing Spider-Man 2? Ooh. <sighs> Tough one. I'll leave you back with that one. I... Back to me. <laughs> I would know. say probably. Um, are we including this new Spider-Man film? No. Okay. So then, definitely in follow-up, and Jack's gonna kill me. Spider-Man was it? I've done two. Yeah. Spider-Man Two would be my wow uh, third favorite. Rank three, yeah. Rank three. So, yeah, I like Spider-Man Two, but I was never. I've never been click to this sort of I still can't get over the whole uh, bags of coins being thrown and I don't know it's a weird movie Spider-Man 2 in the sense of like there's some really strong adult themes but at the same time then there's that real next level comic bookness which I've never liked in these movies and right. that's because I'm not a comic book person so the movies that feel more grounded in their reality have always been the ones that have appealed to me more okay um which is ironic, given some of my choices for the MCU films. But some of the ones that are more grounded, I definitely like more, like Winter Soldier, which we've talked about, and Civil War yeah. films that are more human orientated and less like Doctor Strange, which people like. But it and it's a from a CGI visual effects point of view, it's pretty crazy. But it's I don't know, I just lose myself when I switch off more. The more CGI I see, the more That's switched fair. off I get. I think with Spider Man Two, I feel like there's a lot under the hood
1: that even though there's that campiness and it's very intentional campiness and yes, stuff. Absolutely. I absolutely run into that but it, there's just a lot of stuff under the hood with first off it's the only still to today you know new films included still the only film that really nails his back and forth peter parker spider-man kind of duality and one version of his life lifted up the other has to go down with it like this one's mm. the only one that perfectly does that. Yes,
0: the new Spider-Man films seem to land that pretty well. He seems to... Peter seems to get the best of both worlds. That was my main issue with Home, um, Homecoming, was that so much of it...
1: He should have been punished more ways. Yes. Like, he kind of gets away with a lot, as Peter Parker. Yes,
0: even though he claims he doesn't, he actually does get away with quite a bit. Yeah. Um,
1: no, I agree, but back to you. Yeah, well, I think, I think my rank, my third ranking would actually have to be the original Spider-Man
0: the two thousand two mm-hmm. one just because Which it's a, it's a really great film would be my second. Oh well, there best. you go. So we can bridge back and forth between that. But yeah,
1: well, I think um with that first Spider Man, I mean it's it's very well like paced and executed, mm-hmm. and the costumes great. There's obviously some weird stuff with Toby Maguire. I think he was miscast, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think it, they were running off some of the the hotness that Toby Maguire had at the time. Imagine if Leo got that role instead, like Leo DiCaprio. Yeah.
1: I think he was up for it. I think it was the whole thing. Mm. That would have been... Would he have been too old? Awesome. I don't... He would have just done Titanic. And um, he, would, he wouldn't have looked any okay. older than Tobey
0: Maguire. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm trying to... Th- I can't think, given the time... It was 99? Was the original? Or was it 2001? 2002. 2002, wow. Okay. pretty sure. Um. So, I can't really think of any child actors around that time off the top of my head. Leo would have been a way better choice. Uh, DiCaprio would have been five years off Titanic at that point then it was 2002 really Titanic's 97 yeah
1: uh, I always thought it was 99 that makes sense no, uh, you're, right. you're
0: right but yeah no I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head I mean he had Cider House Rules Toby Maguire, where he plays a relatively young man in that too right Um, and I think that was 99 Uh, or something around that mark mm-hmm. Um, so they probably were going and that what well, got a lot of critical acclaim that film Um, so that might have uh pushed him into that sort of category I can't I mean, it was. I think, yeah, you're probably right about the miscasting. Um, that film's just a lot of... I think Willem Dafoe needs to get more credit for that. Oh, film he's so great in it. He's probably the definition, and I. It's ironic given all of these villains. And I'm sure we'll talk. We'll touch on Gyllenhaal later on. But, yeah. um, I think Dafoe might have been the first since probably what like Jack Nicholson playing Joker, the first. Yeah. Um, That's a real person. strong villain character. In a superhero movie. Or um, even just that thing of like that actor doing that
1: role sort of thing.
0: Yeah, like a first... And so- what they could do for that role. And then the, I think it's the first time that a actor has been synonymous with a superhero villain in mm. a while. Like when you think about... You know, you talk about Heath Ledger being associated with the Joker. Yeah. Or you talk about even Christian Bale associated with Batman. Um, and probably nowadays, there's probably a fair conflict on who Spider-Man's more associated with, whether it be... Right. Toby Maguire or Tom Holland. Between the big three, um, almost. Oh, I think Garfield's out of that context. <laughs> um, You're probably right. Uh, but out of the first two... Um, more, would Poor be, Garfield. Yeah, but I think Willem Dafoe might have been the first like real cornerstone, like, this is what these sort of comic book villains are capable of. And, yeah. I mean, if you look at the villains that followed, I mean, Doc Ock's pretty great.
1: I was going to mention that Doc Ock is fantastic in the second one that's another reason that film is so strong
0: yeah um but i think i think green goblin's the strongest out of the three in that toby Maguire trilogy for villains he's a good mm-hmm. villain and there's a there is a
1: sandman's not that far behind to be honest like those three villains are really great yeah
0: they're pretty good uh, but i still come back to and we'll talk about it later on why i like these new movies more is they have taken some of these less uh well, they've tackled two new villains in the new Spider-Man movies that none of the others tackled, which is great. Yeah. and they also tackled ones that are a little bit left of field, and they've done them pretty well. Whereas, yeah. like, I feel like Spider-Man is is synonymous with obviously Venom, duh. Green Goblin's an obvious, Green. obvious one. Yeah. Venom's an
1: obvious one. Um, yeah. Doc Ock, I guess now would seem like an obvious one. I don't know. Just given given back how in 2005 or
0: four, sorry. Oh, definitely given how much, particularly between both movies and that video game that just yeah. came out really really both the 2018 happened. game Yeah, they really hammer home that doc ock is is sort of like the father figure bad guy that's also a perfect
1: spider-man story while we're at it that mm. that ps4 game get on it mm. um well i guess i can go on to my number two now which is homecoming and i love the tone and the vibe of it i love tom holland that's my number that one goes wow okay again my issue i think he gets away with too much and that's what Spider-Man 2 nails that Homecoming doesn't nail so much. Like, he he bails school constantly. He gets in all this sort of trouble. And then he has the the word with his, like, teacher. He's like, oh, um, I guess I'll give you a warning. He bails detention. Like, all this stuff. Homecoming, he bails yeah. on that girl, and she's so much as just, that was uncool. Okay, I'm leaving the town forever. Bye. That just kind of didn't put it in number one for me.
0: Okay, so I've thought about this. Um, it would be my number one if we weren't including a certain animated film that came out in the latter parts of... That's a good point. So, uh, let's bear in mind, I'm going to take out Spider-Verse because I'm trying to just focus on live-action. Yep. Um, Spider-Verse is still my favourite, even, uh, spoiler, given the film we watched this week. Uh,
1: far uh, from home. I think, think Spider,
0: <laughs> Spider-Verse is definitely outright the best out of all of them. But we're not going to include that. Let's just focus on live-action. Um, Homecoming has has made a villain that literally no one gave a fuck about. Uh, Most of the people didn't even know who Vulture was Mm -hmm. if you weren't a comic book goer. And they made him probably one of the strongest showing villains out of all the MCU films. Yeah. Um, Probably, I mean, if you run off the top of your head uh, your favourite villains from the films, he would probably not only be in the conversation, he would probably win, I would say, outright popularity-wise. Because Keaton's great. Keaton is one of the best uh, as a character. He has one of the best motives for what he does. Uh, it's the most ground, one of the most grounded motives. Mm. Um, it makes sense. Uh, the fact he's terrifying. He is terrifying. That it probably is my favorite scene in an MCU film. That car scene. Because mm. um, both of them play their roles perfectly. Like Holland looks petrified. Yeah. In that scene, which kudos to him because he's just great in it, but. I do, I agree, he does get away with too much. I didn't like Ned that much in that film, which is ironic given I really kind of enjoyed Ned in this new film. which Okay.
1: Was t- 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 I, I always liked Ned. I was a big Ned fan.
0: Uh, didn't like him so much in the first one. Thought it was just a little too goofy. Um, but this film that just came out definitely sort of mended that for me. Um, I think he was in the first one too much. Maybe that's why. Uh, for me. Uh, and then some of the anime, like we've, they've talked about the CGI. There's some wonky CGI in that homecoming film. That's sort of where, where specifically that that scene where he's on the boat, in particular.
1: I didn't mind that.
0: Uh, I thought it looked fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the final battle is a bit anticlimactic. Like it, I love the final, but it's, it's but it also is probably why I like. Yeah, I like it too because it's sort of like less about. It keeps within. What these two films do so well is it keeps the whole he's a kid, sort yeah. of vibe. It still keeps that that sort of essence. That honestly, the the Ramy ones uh, and the Gar like the Garfield the Mark Web one Web ones, yeah. um, they just don't do it. You know, I think because I mean that also plays in the
1: fact that they look too old for their roles in, in those films. Mm. But that's also because within the Homecoming universe, he is small fish in com- comparison to Iron Man and the rest of these other heroes. Yeah while in these standalone Spider-Man films, they have to be, they have to be the hero. Yes. There's no one else to rely on. And that actually goes into an interesting story. I'll say it now, mm-hmm. um, because it's not a spoiler for Far From Home, but basically there was meant to be a cameo in Far From Home that was since announced uh, cut because they wanted Peter to, be, to basically save himself in the situation. Um, and that was going to be Anthony Mackie, Oh, that was going to be his character. Apparently he was going to be in Far From Home and kind of help Spidey in something, and they cut it. So. Was he going to
0: be Falcon or I don't, Captain I don't America?
1: Know. I guess Cap.
0: Okay. I guess
1: that makes sense.
0: Um, I, I'm glad yeah. they cut that because I think Mackie now needs his own
1: film. Well, they're, they're going to get their Disney Plus show, aren't they? Him and Falcon. Uh, him and, him and um, uh, Winter Soldier. Okay. That's like a whole thing, I think.
0: Well, see, I don't know any of that sort of yeah. Disney Plus. I stuff. keep
1: hearing about it, but that's like
0: all I really well, know. Well, are you um? Yeah. Ready well, to my number one
1: was Spider Man Two, but I've I've touched on that already. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I am ready to go, when you are. So, what are we watching this week? Jay? Oh, uh, we are watching a little old movie called uh, Night Monkey Versus Syndrome,
0: all known as Spider Man Far From Home. Oh, that's right. Shit. You're right. You may not be ready, but this is my responsibility. Saving
1: the world requires sacrifice. Sometimes people die. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take on new threats in a world that has changed forever. Okay. What do you think, Zeke?
0: Liked it. Liked it. Um, cool. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, this film uh, was really good. Um... It's. I did bring up the whole why we shouldn't rank Far From Home, but I do think this film would sit... Oh, I don't know where this would sit, if it would sit second or or first for me. I think both of these Tom Holland films I've enjoyed more than all the other Spider-Man films. Fair enough, yeah. Um. With probably the exception of literally the, the first Spider-Man film, first Sam Raimi one, simply because I feel like that was the film I watched. I watched that film a lot. Yeah, which I forgot to mention in the first half of the show. That was the one I had on VHS, and I think I watched non. I think I watched that film more than uh, any anything de- in the world. Well, any other superhero movie, like I didn't watch like the Dark Knight trilogy too long after, probably four or five years after um, Dark Knight came out. So maybe back in like twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. Right. Um. Maybe when Rises came out, but this film, uh, the first Spider Man film, I definitely watched the most. Uh, That and probably Fantastic Four, Um, (laughs) ironically. In hindsight. But uh, these two I've definitely enjoyed more. I think they've had the smartest villains, the less comic book, less comic cool, I guess, villains in their sense of they're not so uh, comic book esque. Well, they're grounded
1: interpretations of of, absolutely silly villains. But Spider Man has had an amazing roster of villains, to be fair.
0: Yeah. Um. Particularly compared to some of the other superheroes who get dished out some pretty weak villains. Yeah. The um,
1: Mandarin. I'm
0: sorry, sorry. Ant Man and Ant Man <laughs> get some unlucky ones. Oh um, yeah. That's unfortunate. But yeah, no. This film's really good. Uh, it kind of hits all the points that I like in it. Um, from the get go, it's entertaining. Um, I don't think I've ever heard you laugh. Yeah, um, I feel
1: like I was the only one in the theater laughing,
0: like consistently
1: throughout the whole film.
0: Yeah. But I also feel like you, I've never heard you laugh at like an opening that loud before. That oh, that was amazing, in memoriam okay. montage of basically explaining what this film does straight out of the gates. This isn't a spoiler. Yeah, it sort I love of this. Answers all of the questions that come with the whole finger snap. Five years go by, or they refer to it as the blip. Oh, I hate um, and they refer to it as the blip, in which it's it's pretty clever. And they do it through. Possibly the most high school high school thing you could do, <laughs> and it's a shame Jack's not here on the show because he he's would have actually shown us a couple of weeks back some of his high school uh, film videos in which they did a TV broadcast, and we all did one in front of a crappy green screen, and it's terribly made and it looks like shit, and they nailed this pretty I much. L- not even just this opening scene. I mean,
1: it's an amazing like they they they're, they're using like crappy pngs to be like
0: oh um, oh rest, yeah. rest in peace vision stuff like that.
1: just stuff like that it's like hilarious yeah
0: where it's like a 240p version so it's like a terror like a phone yeah took picture of him oh once. that's brilliant no I,
1: I laughed very loudly that was because i knew immediately what was happening it was like this is hilarious uh but even to your point of like I knew I had the confidence that they were going to explain all the stuff with the snap because one, yeah. once Endgame came out, that was everyone's question. Oh, what what about the logistics of the snap? And it's been five years. And it's like, I love that because it actually had, it meant there's still weight to the ending of Infinity War, which is what I was afraid we were going to lose through Endgame, but we didn't. And it's all explained at the start here. It's like, oh, how do people who were blipped out of the universe how do they drink now? Like, uh, are they old enough to drink this? Or like, what happened? Do they all just reappear? Like, you in, in a plane? So like, they literally answer all of these questions.
0: And I, I love like, that. I feel like Spider-Man was a good, uh, the good um, universe film to tackle these issues because it's more fun. Well, yeah, and then adolescence—so much can change in five years, yeah. as per one of the supporting cast members who was. Supposedly eight uh, or something like nine or ten. No, he would have been like ten. He would have been eleven. I yeah, think, yeah, and technically, and in those five years, Aged. grew to yeah, grew to be the same age. So yeah. he was now in the same year. Um, I don't think they they touch on like super logistically, but I feel like if you really wanted to tackle, it comes back to the the time travel element in Endgame. Yeah. Um, how they basically go, look, these are the rules of our universe. Shut the fuck up and enjoy the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's basically what Hulk does in that scene. Yeah. He basically goes, look, this is the premise we're going with. Stick with that premise. Enjoy the film. Stop trying to question time travel. You're right,
1: because yeah, right. they, 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 like I said, they explain all the fun stuff. Well, how does drinking work? Like, how do they reappear? Yeah. But they don't go into, like, psych- how does the economy rebuild itself? Yeah. They don't go into that, and they don't need to. Well, it's like fine. the psychological Disaccept
0: depression it. of... of Adolescent teens being abandoned by their family.
1: Yeah. Like, oh, that's another they go into um people who got cheated on or abandoned during the five year gap. Yeah. That's another one they tap. I love that. Like it's literally everything it's the still, internet
0: asks. It was still a joke. Um yeah. and it was like written off very quick to the side. It was yeah. like, Look, yeah, this happened to some people. Unlucky to them. Too bad. Let's like and they used one of the subs, like one of the teachers as that sort of blanket choice. Yeah. But um, yeah, they didn't touch on anything super heavy. I feel like the scene, particularly with Paul Rudd in Endgame, does enough to be like, look, people have struggled, obviously. Yeah, well,
1: Endgame end is where you want the emotional beats, and now that the problem's fixed, we can laugh about it in hindsight.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, and I think Endgame with Paul Rudd does it really well with his daughter, um, yeah. and that's enough. Like, you don't... We didn't need to dwell on it, like, uh, lest we all really are in the mood for enjoying depressing movies. Yeah, sure, cool. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, just got off one of those, so don't need another one. Um and yeah, I think this film addresses definitely the fun stuff, which is yeah, makes me happy.
1: Cool. No, so. I agree, okay, I agree, and that was definitely one of my highlights for the film. Um I I very much enjoyed it. Like I love the Tom Holland Spider-Man films and I think I think this one loses a little bit of the the fun tone that the original had. Like, it mm-hmm. still carried through with, like, the soundtrack and stuff. It's still kind of this nice, cheery... Yeah. You know, bop, 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 sort of thing. And it carries over enough in this film. But the the thing with this film is that it very much wants to look at the larger picture, which Homecoming
0: very specifically looked away from that. Yeah, wanted the home comes, in on comes it. back from that friendly neighbourhood. Yeah.
1: And in this one, they're very much ripping that away from him. And I love what they've done with his character, where he's in the reverse opposite mindset, as opposed to in Homecoming, where he's so
0: eager to become an Avenger and to save the day. Yes.
1: He's in the complete opposite mindset for the majority of this film, and I love that.
0: And it, and it comes back to that sort of um, hindsight thing where he... Um, Zeke
1: Morgan hindsight.
0: Yeah, um, like where he... <laughs> we are listening to the fallout of Endgame, and in case you haven't watched Endgame yet, I don't know how. Um, I'm sure Made Jake... Enough money. I was going to say, Jake isn't very happy you didn't watch it. Because he lost out, you on his son jet. of a bitch! Um, <laughs> but basically, at the end of that film, Iron Man dies, and what? Yes, and it's not like a kid spoiled that for us. This is definitely um, <laughs> this is definitely. Yeah, I'm not talking about that anymore. Um, uh, this is definitely dealing with the fallout and Tom Holland's character in particular, dealing with the loss of a father figure. And I think this is the first time, sitting in the the theater for a good long while, I really did actually appreciate how big this universe has gotten and I I, yeah. I, have definitely been one of the people that kind of protests because I feel like a lot of these films are very cookie cutter mediocre kind of borderline like just feel like regurgitated crap a lot of the time where it feels like their money could go to things that are more you know new IPs and, and potentially
1: <laughs> more, like more
0: inventive yeah more artistic and less uh, oh just money making Um, comes back to a thing I was telling you earlier today that the two highest grossing films in Australia, are Captain Marvel and Endgame. And Endgame warrants that, but I don't think Captain Marvel did. Captain Marvel does nothing unique or interesting. So So, um, that money that went into that film should have gone somewhere else. And that's just the truth. And um, I think this film is one of the few times I was like, man, I'm really glad this film exists in this universe because it does serve the universe it serves a character and it helps build and i really like that because the stuff they do with uh, what happened to tony or um, iron man in the last yeah. film really plays an integral part of this film oh absolutely
1: and like even going on that even with the all the snap jokes we were talking about and the comments and that yeah but you're right the whole iron man dead aspect of it how in the world did they keep that secret through that set as well as the endgame set? Because like they would, you know, the, fu- the the famously now the funeral was on the casting call, the, the the sorry, the um the call sheet as a wedding. So like this is the extent they went to keep that a secret. Yeah. But then now you watch this film, it's like Tom Holland's talking about this event the entire film and every character's talking about yes. the death of Iron Man. That's a
0: lot of people who need
1: to keep your secret now. Yeah, it's incredible.
0: It's, it's a really good um, first step into this. This is called, what, Phase 4, right? Techn- no, this is the end of Phase 3, technically. Okay. So now we're done. That is the Infinity
1: Saga, twenty-three films. Okay. Weird choice to make this, technically, the last
0: one. Because I would think this is a really good step into the next phase. It.
1: I think it thematically does. So uh, I don't know why they've,
0: yeah, done that. Must have been something to do it, but I... I guess this is the way of completely bookending it. You're sort of, particularly with a certain scene that happens after the credits, which we'll talk about in our spoiler-labeled section. we'll yeah, get into that way later, don't worry. Um, but yeah, no, I I don't have too much to say in the non-spoiler part, apart from this film's a lot of fun. And mm. uh, maybe addressing some of my issues, but I'll go back to you before going to yeah, that.
1: Yeah, Um. I mean, I definitely, like I said, I had issues. I feel like the tone... From the first one, and like it, it, it very much from a plot standpoint. And from what they're trying to do is the overall arc of the MCU. Like I've said, the last few films, um, I try and see this more as a, as a continuation and a TV show than mm-hmm. like a set of individual films, because you can't, you just can't do it anymore. You can't look at them as individual films. And I mean, this is you're right. This is a great stepping stone into like a new, uh, future for the MCU, especially because so much of the plot, as you know, expressed in the trailers, is is Tom Holland going to be the next Iron Man. Yes. And that just reminded me that scene where he's in the iron spider suit fighting all those guys and he's joking around with those cops. That scene doesn't exist in the film. No. Not even like a version of it.
0: Which I always love trailers that, uh, and that scene might have been cut on the editing floor. It's probably cut. Might have been a deliberate scene. I don't know. It's probably cut. But I love when trailers do that. When they give you these scenes that aren't in films. Because I like a trailer that still sells you but can mislead you too. Yeah. Um, that, like, cause that scene, would that have added anything to the film?
1: Maybe, maybe not. I feel like, I mean, that scene was very clearly meant to be towards the first act before they go on the trip. Yes. I think they wanted to get to the trip faster. Yeah. And I'm glad they did because even on the trip, there was some stuff. I was like, you could have edited down a little bit. Just a little bit.
0: Yeah. Definitely trimming the fat. Um, some things feel like, uh, I don't jokes and little skits in there. I think. With like the teacher and the students. I'm like, I don't care. I think that thing on the bus... Was kind of a bit useless. Which um, bus, what the towards... drone bus scene where. Um, oh, what to, in the first. Well, act? just that whole. No, no, Oh, th- sorry, that you're second, right. second. Uh, it's like. When a Peter te- accidentally sends a drone on a bus. Yeah, well, basically, it's that case of first time he uses the glasses and it's to see that he's immature. But I don't think it needs to be there. We're well aware he's a really young. He's 16. I mean, where well, we're established, he's 16. To be handed a, a trillion dollar industry, that's absurd. So we are not stupid. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you can you can argue it's uh, Tony Stark's like character, but it's tricky. Yeah, it's I a think tricky thing. I think it went on too long. The whole like making people look out the window and then jumping out and stopping the drone. That didn't look great either. No. The effect of him jumping
1: out and then like the the background behind him as he gets rid of the drone. That. I like, I like the idea I behind guess, it. It I, didn't look
0: great. I guess it's the way of highlight. Like, what it's there to do is highlight the drones, which are an integral part of the
1: That's actually a good point. That's For... tease where the drones go in the plot. But they could have done that in a different way, maybe. I just meant the the actual, like, effects of it. The Ooh. composition of him with the back. Just all that. It didn't look like a well-compiled frame.
0: Even if it was the case of using the drones earlier on, like, he puts on the glasses and uses it in maybe that Venice fight. Would have helped maybe to establish what those right. drones are capable But, but I,
1: I think I, he needed he needed to do it by accident,
0: because he didn't know the drones existed. Yeah. So that okay. makes sense. But maybe it could have been a way smaller gag. I think the gag went from the bit where he literally has his pants down, getting the new suit on with some girl Oh yeah. He's yeah, literally yeah. in it just for that scene. To be This is a Yeah, that was this a is bit weird. A European woman that's attractive and he's got his pants down.
1: Who's never established in any of the other film or the rest of the film the
0: continuation of that scene of that joke and it it doesn't really go anywhere and it goes for like 10 15 minutes like it's a really it's a it's a i think it's 10 minutes film that doesn't need to exist or it could have been cut down to a minute like a gag where he summons a drone about to kill someone oh shit no that's it right like it could have been a minute
1: it definitely wasn't 10 or 15 minutes,
0: but you're right. It was a little over, over I think long. it could have been I, not there.
1: But... A little, little bit of trimming here and there, and even just the editing in general, like some of the, the coverage they cut between is a bit jarring at times. There's there's one in particular where he's about, you know, Spider-Man's about to walk up to a character and give a speech and um, it's just the cutting of it feels so janky. It, it felt like a student film. Yeah. It was like,
0: oh, we're missing a couple of shots. Oh, blah, 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 it does definitely triana. feel like they were missing a couple of shots, which comes back to the thing I was telling you in the car. I feel like there might have been the case of uh, executives only being able to afford actors for a certain amount of days. Hmm. Um, and particularly people, maybe like Gyllenhaal, might have been a real tricky uh, investment because it's, I mean, Gyllenhaal is a busy man. He has a lot of. Going a busy on. boy um and he's definitely one of those actors that spends a lot more time uh invested in more indie productions or smaller like smaller right. productions I feel like like he definitely doesn't um go too mainstream too often um so and, but he also gives more time to those productions
1: yeah um, cuz so i think he has he's a... a
0: lot of time in this though. i was happy with how much he's Absolutely in this film. um but a lot, like if you i feel like a lot of i mean the one good thing about Mysterio is uh, a lot of his scenes, Hall wouldn't have to be there for. Um, there would have been probably a fair amount of voice work in his character, simply because he's got the dome on his bit. head.
1: In the same sense that Iron Man, Robbie Downey Jr. could take a few days off to do voiceover.
0: Yeah, have the mask over the head. Like there was, know? there wasn't as many scenes. Like if you really went through it, there's actually not that many scenes where it's Hall just like uh, there's, there's a there's a sizable chunk in there.
1: You think? I, don't... I think so. Mm. From memory, there's there's quite a few scenes. It'd be interesting to go back and look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, think, I think it was more of a case of, I mean, we talked about this too, of the EP being like,
0: you need to beat this deadline, you need to get picture locked by here. And sometimes and you're just stuck with that. It comes back to how many assets that may have been working on both Endgame and this film, and yeah. how many of them were pushing on the Endgame side, because obviously way more important than this film. Yeah. Um, And it's divide and conquer between the visual effects. Things. I mean, it comes back to... Uh, one of the scenes towards the end of the film where I feel like one of the characters would be more appropriate to be looking one way, but they look uh a, right, yeah, a certain yeah. other way, which I'll talk about in the spoiler half. Yeah. But I'm gonna it was a weird little gonna... things like that. Yeah,
1: um, it didn't bug me that much. Um, again, going back into the the tone of it because I was saying like I really loved the tone in Home Game, Home Game, Jesus <laughs> Christ, um, Homecoming, and uh, in this one it feels like they lose it a bit because, um. First off it is a slightly different cast like it's it's for the most part the same cast mm-hmm. you've lost um what's her name the the daughter yes Michael like she's not in this film whatsoever anymore um uh, which is fine um and obviously kind of the um the love interest type thing has shifted to uh MJ who's very much like MJ in this film in fact what let me ask you about that because was okay. very much in home game it was very much like a a nod to oh people call me MJ at the end and a lot of people groaned and I was like, oh God, is this like the new Mary Jane sort of thing? Yeah. Now that it's like a cemented part in this universe, that this person is the MJ of this universe,
0: do you think it works now? Absolutely. I think this is a perfectly fine shift. I think it, essentially, I I think it might have worked better than Kirsten Dunst's one. Um, and I think... Yeah. Um, because, one, for starters, uh, both of these characters, although in real life, are not in high school. Both look like they belong more in high school mm-hmm. than Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst did. <laughs> um, both of them were fully grown adults who were playing teenagers, whereas these two, I don't know how they'll go with. by the time the third instalment of this franchise rolls around, but because um, there definitely will be a third instalment. Um but right now they're still fine and they do pretty well with it. And she's fine. She's great in it, I think. Um, they all get... That, uh, my favourite part about this film is each one of them... Like, the from students, Ned, MJ... you got Flash, all, Thompson. They all get the perfect amount of time. Not too yeah. much. Not too little. Whereas, I feel like Homecoming, because of Michael Keaton's daughter, um, definitely a lot of the other... They sort of took back seats. Or they sort of were... Either had too much I thought Ned was used too much in the last film, but in this one he has like they kind of push him away enough to be like he's got his own thing and it's so perfect. Like uh, I, I love it. I love Ned anyway, so um, you know. I think he was used too much in Homecoming, and I think uh people like MJ and Flash probably weren't used enough, maybe. Um but overall, yeah, it was fine. I like the ending um uh, with them, which I'll talk about uh Pearl? In spoil the spoiler part, but yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I really, I, I, I agree. I think, I think MJ is used pretty well in this film. Um, it kind of, it, it this film really cements itself. It's like, okay, yep, this is, this is the MJ of this universe. Uh, she doesn't have red hair. Whoop, dude. She doesn't have red hair, does she? No, I'm colorblind, so <laughs> no, she no, but like, it, it doesn't matter anymore. It's like, MJ is like this. It's, it's good to see Spider Man kind of have a love interest again. And like, it just, it, it, it didn't feel this. I mean, this is a very different kind of love interest situation because obviously we're still mm. in the midst of like boy has crush on girl yeah there's... and it, it's it's the same thing with the um not michelle was her name michelle and no, the the daughter of michael keaton um, yeah i think so it's awkward it's, it's very awkward it's awkward it's handled better in this one than the last one the last one i feel like she was just a non-character
0: yeah well she was and the she means had, like, to to keaton's Exactly. Really.
1: I mean, to have oh look, they're connected, and then that's kind of it, and then she yeah. leaves town forever. Yeah, that's that kind of. Especially since she's not in this one. I think it's that fair. That kind I of mean, annoys Kian, me. Keenan
0: goes to prison.
1: Yeah, uh, you don't want to stay in the same school. Makes that scorpion reveal last film completely useless because he's not even mentioned in this film. Ah,
0: but will they be coming back for a Sinister Six in the third film? Surely,
1: one? and he's like ten years older now.
0: <laughs> Dude, he's Vast from Far Cry. Like that's all I need. He's um he's in Better Call
1: Saul as well. He's Nacho. Oh. He's amazing in that show. Um, all right, what do you want to jump into spoiler territory Absolutely. now? Because we keep teasing. So massive spoilers. There's some surprises I want to talk about. This
0: is the spoiler section. <laughs> Go. Do the red-letter media thing with a, the, a blank screen for 30 seconds. No, we're not going to wait for 30 seconds. But, all right, Jake, let's break into some spoilers. Okay, for starters. Can we please, please talk about the cameo? Uh, And I swear to God, me and Jack caught it. I'm trying to find a conversation about this. Before we get to the cameo, let's break down. uh, Let's talk into... um, Okay. I want to first address uh, just the MJ stuff because that was the last thing we left off with. Okay. We'll break in. So I like their kiss at the end of the film. Um, They do kiss at the end of the film. Really well done. It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're a teenager, your first kiss is either a peck or it's full tongue and it's disgusting <laughs> um, uh, you, you flip a coin you get one or the other yeah. and this one I like because they do like three or four attempts they, at it yeah because it's not like the kiss leave like most films
1: they, they stay there yeah let's try a couple more times let's get this kiss right it was it
0: was perfect I really like um, that's pretty much all I have to say about that and I like their romance <laughs> and, uh, the post credit stuff it was all where... the Bo Peep stuff that you were, you were like can I just see characters Dude, kiss for once man it's like, come on, just let it happen. You're right. It um, satisfies, yeah. It's, it's the reward, especially after all the awkward shit we had to deal with between the two, or movie. You yeah. know, give me give me that, at least. But um, I really like, in the post-credit sequence, which we can then branch into... Okay, okay, okay. ...how she goes swinging with him but absolutely hates it.
1: Oh, I that kinda... nice little uh,
0: expectation-diverse yeah or diversion sort of thing makes sense to me i mean i don't know about you but if i had no control and someone was could drop me if they like i would be like yeah fuck that um yeah i always thought in the toby McGuire ones they were way too passive about that like anyone getting saved or anyone like like sweet like when kirsten dunce was swinging with him i just think that she should have been shitting herself and she was just perfectly (laughs) fine with it but literally um no, that would be that would have been pretty gross. But up the rating um, a bit. Then breaching into uh that that beautiful cameo that happened. They did it. They fucking did it. JK Simmons my boy is back. So, okay, but I'm a little confused. Uh He looks different though. I like that. So, does this not mean uh JK I like that he is the I mean he can be he can quite easily be the you know, Jay German. Jameson. He's right. the only choice, dude. He's the only um, choice. but does, the way he was doing his broadcast, did, this doesn't include, so the Tobey Maguire movies aren't canon. Of right? course, nah, no, nah, no, nah, absolutely, absolutely not. Good. Okay, so I was a little confused, because I wasn't listening, I should have listened to what he was saying, but, I guess, because he talks about he's a fan of Spider-Man, and stuff like that, um, I think, I, I don't, no, he's talking, so for those
1: who don't know, or don't care, whatever, um, this is actually a mid-credit scene, because the film ends with Peter and um, MJ like taking off for a swing. Yes. And then the it goes to the mid-credit scene where it's like the reveal of she's shitting bricks. She's terrified. Yes. So they put uh, he puts it down. And he's like, all right, like I'm headed off. I'll see you around. And as he's about to swing off, the TVs in the middle of um you know the the the, the, the like what's it called the, town square. Yeah, it was just thing. Times yeah. Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the TVs go off, and it's a uh, Quentin Beck has left one final message before his death, which is a clear illusion, mm. and it's Jay Jonah Jameson's reporting it. Yes. And then he's the one saying, this is proof that Spider-Man was the one who set the attack on. So it's kind of a logical,
0: this is how he begins <laughs> to hate
1: Spider-Man. I don't remember him saying he was a fan.
0: Okay, so... You could be right, though. Um, Yeah, so it comes back to, like, Hall is actually the bad guy in this, and everything uh, that he does is is this illusion tech. Yeah. And it calls back to a... F- uh, I think it's Civil War where that projection stuff. Yeah, it is. It is um, when Tony presents the hollow projection technology. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't like the way that was cut. Uh, it was very really on the nose. Yeah, you know, but they kind of needed. You could to tell it. where like Jalen Hall clearly wasn't there, but he. Yeah. Had to like and... you
1: were not reversing that movie back, and he's like in the background.
0: Yeah, so um, they didn't do that. But I mean, it's the best they could do, and then it cuts back to I think it's. Uh, Iron Man 1. Yeah, the, science... doc, the doctor gets abused by the Tony Stark
1: built this in a cave with a box of scraps! Yes. The dude who got yelled at from that scene is in this film plotting against Spider-Man for some reason.
0: But... Because of the, the whole control over Stark Industries. Yeah, which... which is similar motive to Michael Keaton's um yeah thing. Um, And I think this is where the full credit comes to uh taking Mysterio and Vulture who are quite comical villains and granting them in reality and making them quite clever um i think uh that subversion of expectation is very akin to iron man 3 with the yeah man, uh the mandarin i think it is right yeah, um, yeah and how they make his character this real deadly man until you meet him and then he's an actor basically mm. and in this one when Gyllenhaal hall was this big heroic man and then he leaves, and then he snaps into almost this weird, sort. as we talked about way earlier on in Cinema Sideshow, a Velvet, <laughs> Velvet Buzzsaw-esque <laughs> character that's a little bit more grandiose. and it almost, I really wish he'd pushed his hair forward like he
1: doesn't. <laughs> Velvet well, Buzzsaw. He essentially becomes the director of the show, and that's what I love about Mysterio as a character, is he's all about tricks and mis- uh, being mischievous and that kind of So that all worked for me, that he's in essentially a green screen suit this whole second yes. half of the film, and he's like, he's got people do, like drying his cape and that in the last second, and all the drones, and he's directing the action. Yes. Like, that was a great scene. I know we're not in highlight uh, scenes yet, but that was a great
0: scene. Oh, just with the bit when he says, like, this is an Avengers scale fight. Oh. Like, it's a really <laughs> cl- like there we go. Little wink to the camera. Uh, and yep. it definitely feels like, uh, and Jake alluded to this with his uh, teaser coming into this. Uh, I actually noticed. Uh, very Syndrome-esque. Very plan. Syndrome-esque villain. Like, to the point where he literally has an arm pad and he's coordinating everything via this sort of yeah, the arm pad. pad, pad and, it. and it's like... Which is why, I, I as I was talking about, I would have liked in that final battle, he really took the grandioseness and wore his full Mysterio kit mm. rather than his sort of green screen outfit because I feel like that would have played to his sort of showmanship uh, cockiness. Absolutely, yeah. Um... I agree.
1: The more I think about it, I agree with you on that.
0: And it would have been really cool given that final conflict between Spider Man and him, um, his suit slowly deteriorating as he was losing the fight. Because, especially given the post credits scene, in the recording where he's like showing Spider Man's quote unquote betrayal, he is in his full suit. So I don't. Mm. clearly he he did an illusion of it but at the same time i really wish and it could have been the case of the studio either choosing that not as the direction they wanted to go or maybe just not being able to do it uh, in time do it in time um because it really does highlight it when one of the characters is literally ironing the suit for their coordination so he clearly wants to be this big Hero, it's it's so syndrome, man. It's yeah. so, it's next level syndrome. It's
1: really good. And I know, I know the internet kind of predicted it from the start, but it was one of those things was like, it's probably something else though, but it still works the way they do in this film. Like the reveal of him being bad, he's the, the whole a different... thing, of
0: him trying to get the glasses from Peter. I mean, when I was thinking in the theater before the big reveal, I was thinking it had something to do with defeating the elements and like collecting power from all the elements, right? Okay, and leading into some like. Infinity Stone-esque sort of thing. Collecting all the elements yeah. to be the master of all the... I don't know. Something See, do,
1: did you like that the elementals were essentially non-characters? Yeah. Yeah?
0: The, Kept the focus away from it. Yeah, we don't need... We, we talked about with Spider-Man 3. We don't want big Spider-Man big 3 issue. again, yeah. Yeah. It was one of the big Sand issues. Sandman
1: and Hydro man and Fire-Man and... Fire man. And and
0: man. It's yeah. re- it really tackles that well. Um, And the reveal's really good Uh, with this villain. Um. I would have liked more like of that showmanship and the, the thing is when I said to you in the theater when the lights came on and they were going into credits I was like I can't wait to see a third one. Yeah. But that post credit scene actually made me l- not want to see a third one. Because I okay, kind of yeah. well, it kind of flipped me in a, in a heartbeat and I'm not going to discount the movie I watched for the credit post credit scene, but that's, a, that's about the future of the franchise, not what we just saw. Yeah, I really enjoyed the the feature film yeah and the post credit scene to me made me concerned because I don't want to have to deal with a film where people are gonna believe the tr- like this is true because the fact of the matter is Spider Man himself has been too defined as a character to be bad right um and for those ha- who
1: don't know he's been framed for the events of what uh Misterio did and he's been outed yeah he's been publicly outed as Peter Parker
0: and the Peter Parker stuff. This franchise, as you said, highlighted very quickly, not such a big deal that people know each other's identities. I mean, that comes yeah, back to the MCU. Iron Man. It goes back
1: to the first Iron Man of yeah. establishing yourself as this is a, a collection of heroes where we know their identities. Yeah. There I are mean, no secrets here. I mean,
0: everyone knew pretty much literally the, event, the the Avengers. Everyone knows who everyone is. And yeah. particularly if you look back to Endgame, where it's like even things like Hulk taking photos with kids, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. it's pretty unashamedly like these people are these people. So, I think the identity stuff. I'm not too fussed with the outing. I don't think it's a big jaw drop moment. It'll be addressed pretty quickly. I thought it was uh, where there was
1: a mid credit scene. That should have been the actual. Ending yeah, of I think the
0: it film. should have been too. Too much I, of a... People left before that scene played. Yeah, um, I think my thing that frustrates me is, for some reason, people are going to believe that like there'll be a collection or a, a decent majority of people that, like, if the audience isn't going to buy into the fact that look. There's no way people could have convinced us that Spider-Man's the bad guy in this. Like, right. first off, for most of the film, he's trying to be subverted. Like, he's even credited as a completely different superhero, like a knockoff. Oh yeah, superhero. The,
1: the Night Monkey.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's a great. So <laughs> to say it was him all along is a little bit confusing, um, and not believable in my opinion. Okay. I Okay, it's, it's gonna. I hopefully in the third film, it's one of those things that gets either. It either doesn't get even make it to the third film, they might do another Avengers film or whatever, where it's just like, yeah, no, come on. He's not going to be the bad guy. Like, it's, come on.
1: It's interesting because, like, when you look at... In the original Spider-Man films with Sam Raimi, it becomes this thing of, like, there are people that are 50-50. You, he meets people like, Spider-Man, I love it. He meets people like, oh, my God, that menace sort of thing. And then but they... J.J. Jamison plays into that. In this one, they're very spelling it out. This is how this divide begins,
0: So I think that might be what happens. Maybe, I think. But I don't think there's been anything in the Spider-Man current universe, this Tom Holland one, that has made anyone raise an eyebrow. Whereas, admittedly, the good things about the Raimi ones is in the first film, J. Jonah Jameson's like, I don't trust him. Like, it's it's established in the first film that he may be a menace. Yeah. And it comes back to the Raimi ones, Spider-Man's the only hero. Yes. Whereas in this one... And I can't... You can't believe it. Because, like, at the end of the day, there is a huge collection of heroes in this universe yep. that'll be like, you're full of shit. Like, come yeah. on. Like, like everyone, literally everyone in the last film could, like, tell you that. Yeah. Like, there's no stake with that. It's such a waste of... It's it's trying to be more profound than what it was. And I didn't need that. I like the, the whole Hall sort of, like, middle finger, last minute thing. But yeah. that's... It's still, to me, it... it when we get into that third film, if it's the center point, I'm not going to enjoy it because I don't believe it. Even I don't, and if I don't believe it now, I'm not going to believe it by then. Yeah.
1: No, I think you got you have valid
0: points because you're right.
1: It, within this universe, especially the framing, I understand that you're more against the framing than the outing of the identity.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Identity to him might seem like a big issue because he's yeah. a younger person, so I can understand. Yeah. That, um, whereas Tony Stark is Tony Stark. Yeah. You know, he's top of the mountain, but. Uh, the framing side, yeah, I just don't believe it. I think, yeah. I think it's def it's cool that uh, Mysterio thought it would work and it plays it's true to his character and like, it might
1: work. Yeah, That's what we're
0: going to find out. But I still wouldn't believe if it does work. You know, yeah. it would be one of those things that yeah, there be might be a a minority of people that believe that he's not. Um, you know, he might not be all what he's cracked up to be. But, yeah, I mean, even even the villains. I mean, go back to Homecoming. Like, Keaton stood up for him in the
1: prison sequence. Yeah, it was just different te- different types of villains. Keaton has a respect for him because he saves his daughter. In this one, Gyllenhaal's like, fuck you, dude, I'm going to screw you over before I die. It's the pettiness.
0: yeah, There's that pettiness of his character. It's true to his character. And it's the
1: showmanship. I'm going to look like the hero, and I make him look like the bad guy.
0: Yeah. So that makes I, sense. I can't imagine the third movie starting with this big Mysterio statue <laughs> tributing, tributing to this guy who it's like... He just has a fishball head and this big statue. Yeah. Uh, I think my thing... Uh, do you want to break into highlight scenes? Because I think that's it. I think in a moment, I think...
1: Uh, yeah, because the thing I'm more worried about with the future is, is the unmasking. Because like I said, it's a staple of the MCU that these characters are, don't have secret identities. Yes. But Spider-Man, that's such a big part. And I was not even a big fan of how quick his friends were finding. Like, Ned finds out straight away. Okay, whatever. Then Aunt May finds out in Homecoming. Yeah. Which plays well into this one, because she's such a big, I'm going to help you out yeah, in this yeah. film. Plus, there's been the five years of the snap. She was, I believe, snapped out of existence. Okay. Her and Peter. And then Happy Hogan wasn't. Now there's a whole thing with them dating, whatever. Um, so I kind of bought into that. But then Zendaya finds out. I didn't even like that they put that in the trailer. That she figures it out. Yeah, yeah. And then now everyone knows. I'm kind of worried by that progression. Okay. We'll see how they deal with it. I think
0: we're worried about different reasons for this third film. hmm Even though we're both equally excited, I think. Yeah, I think this film was a really good second film, and it really does make me want... Because I, I just ignore the post-credit thing as long as it's not going to be an integral part of the... If it gets done and dusted in the first 20 minutes, I'm happy. Or, like, the I'm, snap. Really, yeah. I'm really hoping it's one of those things where it's like... Maybe even it gets. I don't know if there'll be an Avengers film before the third Spider Man film.
1: We'll find out uh, soon. They this is it. We don't know what. The, I mean, they're shooting, the shooting black. they shooting black with uh, Guardians free is, you know, going to be shot. But we have no clue when and where these next films are happening.
0: Yeah, so I feel like there will be another Avengers film before another Spider Man film. Possibly. Yeah. Hopefully, it gets just tucked away in that film, um, where it's like, just the case of maybe Spider-Man taking a bullet for something. I don't know. Some yeah. Something. It's just I don't want my next film to be... A, I want my next film to be him as an adult and him starting to cope with this sort of... Sort of like that progression. They really touch on it pretty well in um, Spider-Verse uh, with the yeah. original Peter Parker. Not the 40-year-old Peter Parker, but the the one that had been Spider-Man for eight years or something like yeah. that, where it was like he, he had come gone through the motions. You know, he, he found himself... Because found at that point... We've had Spider-Man, what, for, sh- if you're going off the MCU time, he would have been Spider-Man for four years or five years? Um, a What, in, in a sequel? Yeah, so when when does Homecoming, how old's he in Homecoming, 15? Y- yes. Okay, I so. Think. Yeah, I think he's 16 in this, they yeah, say yeah. he's 16. So if he goes to 18, at that point he's been Spider-Man technically for four years, because yeah. in Civil War he'd been Spider-Man for six months already. Yeah. So. So
1: about a year in Homecoming then, I guess.
0: yeah. So, you know, four or five years down the track, I want to start to see a more mature story. Yeah. Maybe, I think
1: I think we're getting there.
0: Uh, because you can only be awkward... F- like, you can always be relatively awkward, but surely at that point he would have started... By that point, we might be sitting at an 18-year-old. Because yeah, the fact of the matter is, by then Tom Holland's going to be sitting in his mid-20s. Yeah. Mid to late 20s. So... Let's start pushing him more to that mature yeah. side.
1: I'm excited to start growing up. Because I think this film started to lose a bit of the the fun innocence of Homecoming. Yes. Um, which, again, they needed to do it for the plot. He needs to come out to be the new Iron Man, which, whatever. <laughs> um, but you're right. I mm. want to see them start to grow up. And I think this third film is the best time for them to start Yeah, that.
0: Push him at an 18, 19-year-old who's starting to have to get a job. And then we start yeah. to tap into what makes Spider-Man 2 so good. He's trying to balance yeah, those lives exactly. a little bit more than just skipping school. Even just the teaser at the very end, when he's swinging, and this is the
1: fir- I feel like this is the first time we've got a Tom Holland Spider Man like just swinging around the city moment. Yeah, in the films, like it. This is generally the first time we've gotten that, and there's that thing he's taking selfies while he's swinging. I was like, "There's your Daily Bugle reference." Mm-hmm. I mean, they obviously immediately put JJJ in the film after that. But um, you're right; there was hints at the very last scene. Of okay, we're moving on.
0: Yeah, we're gonna get a different Spider Man after this. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, and I would like to see them start to touch on maybe, a, you know, maybe we're tapping into maybe a bit of the Green Goblin stuff next time. Maybe yeah. we're tapping into some Doc Ock stuff next time, or you know, so like start to challenge some of those Raimi ones. That I think it's been enough time for Green Goblin. Absolutely, let's That's put Green Goblin back in there. Yeah,
1: are you not ready for a Doc Ock one? Ah, oh, I would love Doc Ock, but he's been—he was in the game last year. He was in yeah. Spider Verse. He's been used enough that yeah, Maybe last even
0: years. a Sandman one. There you go.
1: Sandman would be it. Was that technically Sandman uh, in this no. film? Not no. really, because it's a projection. So if, you're right. It was project faceless villains. It's it's fine. Yeah, so- and I'm really, 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 really glad Stanley was not in this film. Yes. They cut. They did film a cameo. They cut it because he's won an M game. And needed to be the final one. Yeah. I appreciated that. Thank God. Cool. Oh, so highlight scene. Cool. Uh my highlight scene, I think this is probably yours as well, is the ending the second act uh when he the first time he gets into that illusion uh phase. Mm. Very Doctor Strange esque kind of cinematography there, and it worked really well. It worked really, really I well. I think it's yeah,
0: it's easily the highlight scene. It plays up Mysterio as a legitimate villain, which yep. admittedly, when you switch uh when the big reveal happens and you find out that Mysterio is just an illusionist. He's yeah. a VR illusionist. It does take a little bit of... And then he has a, he does, he's not even by himself. He has a team of about 10, 15 people yeah. behind him. So he's he's got a huge group of people. It does take away from this guy's definingly... Whereas Vulture was the leader of a group. He was in the sense yeah. of... But he was still by himself. You know, You could see him as this threat by himself. He didn't yeah. need the others there. Essentially, um, and it did take away his credibility at first. Mm. Immediately, reinstalled with that VR scene where he, absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh crap! No, he he literally made Spider Man his bitch. Um, <laughs> he's, an, he's an idiot for believing Spider Man was dead, but he thinks he's dead three, four
1: times in this movie. Every oh, time, man. every time he gets a punch, and he's like, and that's still... Well, where he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty. Um, And that actually leads right into the start of Act 3 scene where Peter's at his lowest low and he wakes up in that jail cell and, like, in completely different... He's like, where the hell am I? And he's like, where is he again? He's in the Netherlands? Netherlands, Yeah, Yeah, and he's, like, borrowing a phone. He's like, everyone's so nice here. It reminded me of Uncharted 2 when you get, like, in that um, Tibetan, like, little uh, city-type thing and no one speaks the language and you're like, what's going on? It just reminded me of that. So I loved it. I loved it.
0: I think... um... Honestly, yeah, it's, it's a really good scene. It really bridges into a really good scene between him and Happy uh, on the plane where it really Tom Holland, uh, Spider-Man, just breaks down. Peter just breaks down. He's just like, I can't, I don't know what to do, and I really miss him. And it's a really good moment. That's a great scene. Um, and it bridges really nicely into the final act. Uh, I think Gyllenhaal did a great job and definitely sits easily in probably the top five, maybe the top ten villains of this uh Cinematic Universe, definitely beautiful.
1: So, yeah. I just got a message from Mister Jack Bett, who just walked out of the theater right now. His words are shook.
0: He is shook. I don't know why, but uh, are you ready to? I think that's all I've got to say about this. Fair movie. enough.
1: I think uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home came out today uh, in wide release in theaters. Go check it out. It's good. Really yeah. Good. Speaking of wide in cinemas.
0: Wide, mm-hmm. releases wide
1: releases. Wide releases, you say. Jake,
0: what's coming out this week? Mm,
1: what is coming out? Well, first I want to do a bit of an amendment. I think I said last week that Midsummer's coming out. I think technically that comes out on the 4th of July or in the next week in the US. Okay. So I don't really know what the deal is with that, but I do have a little list here of films. Uh, in the next week, we have uh, such films as After coming out. Okay. Which, uh, I've, I've heard of it, but I'm not really sure what it is. Um, I believe Yesterday.
0: Or yeah, was that last week? Last did you end up watching that? No. Okay. So might be talking about that next week on the show.
1: I would love to watch that.
0: Yeah. Uh yesterday's out
1: now. Um an unexpected love. Uh that's out uh, the eighth hundredth. I don't really know what that is, uh to be honest. And of course on Demand and Blu-ray, which Jack just bought us is now on Blu-ray. Nice. And you know what else comes out on D V D in the next week or
0: so? Your favourite film, Little. One of the Raz the Razzies, yeah, did it won the Razzies? That, did it? What? I think some. I think uh, heard. I don't know if the Razzies went by or got nominated. I thought those
1: were like at the end of the year, isn't
0: it? Oh well, let's find out. I want to find uh, out right now. Um, no, I. I think um, I'm looking forward to yesterday. I'm giving that a watch. Uh, that's not what we're going to be talking about next week on the show, mm. because uh, we're moving into episode twenty-five, which is our directors' corners.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, Generally speaking, right? Yeah, Uh,
1: that is correct, sir.
0: And you came up with a recommendation, which you talked about a little bit last week. I did
1: mention it last week, and I I remember saying that I wanted to do a full episode on it because it totally earned it, and I can't wait for you to see it, Zeke. Right. So Uh, what are we watching? So next week, we are having our returning guest, Jesse Newell, back on to join us to talk about blind spotting.
0: What is this? Oh, Nice. Hey, hey, I, I would like to get out. Look at this! I'm better one in the glove, though. Yeah! I, I ain't trying to go back to jail. $200 let me, out. me Not Colin's gun.
1: Very nice. Ow, oh, I just got an Uber pickup. <laughs> you got it. Colin must make it through his final three days of probation for a chance at a new beginning in his Oakland, California,
0: neighbourhood. His bond with his volatile best friend soon gets tested when Colin sees a police officer shoot a suspect in the back during a chase through the streets. Things
1: soon come to a head. When the buddies attend a party in an upscale home of a young and wealthy tech entrepreneur. There's a cop car right outside the yeah. window when you started saying that. That's pretty crazy. I'm
0: terrified. Yeah, I don't know if the mic will pick that up. It might pick that up. It's It's really going off. Loud. It's so loud right now. Um bit of ambient sound for our on the road editions. Um, it just stopped. Oh, oh my oh my god. It's pretty Colin's out there. It's actually we're actually adding sound effects to make this more realistic and immersive. So, this is a film
1: that I watched. Uh, well, I mentioned it in the previous episode. I've watched it. Jesse lent me a Blu-ray because you can't really buy a Blu-ray here in Australia, as far as I'm aware. So, Zeke, I'm going to lend you a copy. Yes. Then Jesse's going to come on the show next week. And we are going to all talk about this, in my opinion. I've well, already talked about it. Yeah. But it's really it's funny film. that
0: this siren's going off right now as we're talking about it. It'd be funny if it gets picked up in the recording. There's probably a good chance it will. Um I hope we're, going it to our, does. we're going back to our roots here in our uh cinema sideshow. And I am looking forward to watching this film because you've yeah. talked about it. I've heard a lot of things on different podcasts about this film. Okay. So uh got to leave it to Jesse to bring on the uh the more uh niche films. I think I think this is definitely the the one this is this this would be Jesse's third film that he's brought
1: to us, um alongside Dog Tooth and uh, Marie Antoinette. I think this is definitely the the I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say the best one, but definitely the most conventional and straight up entertaining one. That he's well, to okay, us. I'm glad
0: you said conventional because I'm not sure I could do another. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: no, I'm looking forward love it. you, Jesse. No, um, but yeah, uh, no. this is the directorial debut of. Apology, I'm gonna take the bullet for you this time, Zeke. Okay, don't worry. Uh, Carlos Lopez Estrada.
0: Nice. I hope that's correct. I'm just going to call him Carlos next week. <laughs> <laughs> our boy Carlos. Yeah, our boy Carlos. Carl. Uh, um, no Carl. worries. Well, thank you for joining us for the Cinema Sideshow podcast. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And we'll catch you next week with Blind Spotting.
1: You!